Right, let's go on to today then. So for the last few years, MNG's worked together with us at the assembly to put a series of events together designed just for us power planners. And a massive thanks to them for supporting us again this year in 2023. This is the fifth um, in our series this year. Uh, and if you haven't watched the previous four on demand, go onto our site, go to the resources area and just type in MNG or LES or something like that and, and you'll find them quite easily. So today's topic, um, for those of you that have been around a while like I have, A-Day was 16 and a half years ago. Um, can you believe that? It's gone really quick. And yet today, some things are even more confusing than ever. And the announcement by the Chancellor earlier this year that the lifetime allowance is going to be abolished seemed pretty straightforward at first of all. But of course, the devil's in detail. Um, and that just isn't the case. So today, we're going to be recapping the saga of the lifetime allowance so far explaining the changes that the government has proposed, look at what's already happened and what's still possibly going to happen or not happen, and consider what it all means for power planners working on retirement planning for their clients. And I'm really pleased to be joined once again by Power Planners Assembly regular and all-round friend of Power Planners, Les Cameron. Les, please introduce yourself. Thanks, Richard. Um, afternoon, everyone. I'm Les Cameron. I'm the Head of Technical um, at M&G Wealth, um, specifically the technical team that does all the external work. Um, so we build the tools, we write for the website. If you see something externally that's technically related, um, that will come from my team. Um, basically, we read the law, understand the law, and try to explain it to people via the medium of voice and the written word. This is the voice section with my favourite audience. Um, which is a paraplanner audience, because we tend to get better questions from paraplanner audiences, um, sort of thing. So, ready to go and good to be here. You know how to charm us, don't you? And if ever you go on the big tent, which if you haven't done yet, you should do, you'll often see Les on there answering all sorts of tricky questions uh, that people throw out there. Um, so, thanks, for Les, for doing that. Right. Les has prepared some slides for us, and we trust him so much here. We've given him control over the slides. Um, so, mm -hmm. it's a first yeah. for us. Um, so, any questions, fire them off in the chat room, or there is an ask a question button on the right-hand side. It's the question mark in a little speech bubble. Wherever you want to put the questions, I will bring them up and ask them as we go. But Les, over to you. Um, thanks, Richard. It was, it was funny you were saying there that um, pension simplification was 16 and a half years ago, because pension simplification officially started on the 6th of April 2006. Um, simplifying the kind of pension tax regime. And now we've got this change um, that's coming on the 6th of April 24. I, th I think the fundamental difference between this time and the last time was they told us in December 2003 that the rules were going to be changing in two and a half years' time. Uh, this time they told us in Budget 23 that, by the way, this is coming in in April. So the timescales are uh, significantly tighter than they were back in 2006. Um, I've got my screen on there, Lifetime Allowance, Mexican food, question mark. Um, back when they announced the abolition of the Lifetime Allowance, um, if you've seen my webinars then, uh, I made a prediction that we would get something that looked, felt and smelt like the lifetime allowance, um, but it would be called something else. I think I made the analogy between tax-free cash and PCLS, broadly the same thing, just called something different. For large parts of the new rules, 
and we're going to get to the exact same place as we did before the rules changed. We'll just have a whole different suite of language that we're going to have to use to describe how we got to the same number. So essentially, whether you get a burrito or an enchilada, you're getting chili at the end of the day. The same here, you're getting broadly the same benefits. They're just wrapped up in different language. But I think it's important to understand the things that are changing uh, as well as being able to explain to people it's maybe too early to make any decisions about what you're going to do about this yet. So um, we'll see how we go. Um, that's the compliance nonsense. Um, last year, everything that happened last year um, is still there. If you had a, a, a lifetime allowance charge in 22, 23, you still have to pay it even though it's abolished. And we have had that question more than once. Um, sort of thing. 2324 has been legislated for. We know everything we need to know about 2324 bar one thing. Because remember, the lifetime allowance is here in 2324. All they did was change the tax charge when you were over the lifetime allowance from 55 and 25. They changed it to zero. And then they did some jiggery pokery with the law and basically said, Anything that would have had an LTA charge in the past is now going to get a marginal rate tax charge. So the actual LTA tax charge still exists. It's just zero. Um, however, on death, if you use your, your fund um, to make beneficiaries draw down, the LTA tax charge is zero. And if it's pre-75 less than two years, um, income tax is zero as well. Uh, two changes for 23-24. One's about tax-free cash. <clears throat> if you've got enhanced protected tax-free cash, basically the enhanced protection certificate will have a percentage on it, and that's the maximum amount a scheme is allowed to pay as tax-free cash. Uh, or a standalone lump sum, those values are now getting capped at the April 23 value. Um, so that is a, a change from what they would normally have got in the past, if you had 10% in your certificate, you just get 10% every time you took it, every time you took some money. Now, you're only allowed 10% of that April 23 value. Likewise, a standalone lump sum, you got your full fund when you took it. In the new world, you'll get up to your April 23 value and you'll get marginal rate tax in the bit on top. Uh, the other key change uh, is basically related uh, to the government's intention in the budget, or the stated intention, was to fix the doctor problem, stop pension tax charges, forcing people to retire. And the other side of it, which probably less mentioned, was allowing people to re-enter the workforce at older ages without getting penalised through like money purchase annual allowance and stuff like that. Obviously, people who have got enhanced or fixed protection, it can't re-enter, they couldn't re-enter the workforce and then start paying any a pension. So what they've basically said is if you get fixed and enhanced protection, as long as you applied for it before the budget, you can't lose it. So you can start paying money in again and, and you'll keep your protections, which will be useful for a lot of people. Uh, I did speak to an advisor who had somebody with fixed protection 12 at 1.8 million, not been in a very good fund. So his actual fund's sitting at 1.4 million. He's, he's now basically got £400,000 of headroom to start putting in his pension again, and he, and he won't lose. 
him his protection. Obviously, he might want to fund beyond 1.8 million, depending on circumstances. The, the only kind of outstanding thing that I mentioned was we haven't a clue how the revenue is going to share death benefit taxation um, across beneficiaries because we've got scenarios where somebody died last year and some of the benefits were paid last year, some of the benefits were paid this year, different types of benefits, different beneficiaries. The the revenue have never got back to us to tell us um, how they're going to share kind of the, the tax charges equally across people. A simple example, um, your son got in a million pounds lump sum in 22, 23. In 23-24, your daughter put a million pounds in drawdown. Technically, she's no LTA charge and he's got a 55% LTA charge. Are they going to take all the tax charge off him or are they going to split it between both of them, which they're meant to do? They haven't told us. And it's going to get worse as we move on to 24-25. What's happening in 24-25 is the lifetime allowance is getting ripped out of um, Finance Act. There's a few mentions of lifetime allowance left behind, but by and large, everything's been taken out. I I think they've essentially said to the government lawyers, this is the way we're going to do it. So just go through the act, and when you find something to do with lifetime allowance, change it to something that gives you broadly the same outcome, but don't use the same words, please, um, sort of thing. So that's kind of where we're going to a large extent. What, What we do currently... Prior to 6th of April 24, we have one single lifetime allowance. And if you take a DB pension, you put money in drawdown, any lump sums you get, they both get tested against that lifetime allowance. Uh, what we're doing in the new world is income doesn't matter in the new world. You can buy a £57 million DB pension. You, you can put £17 million into drawdown. There is no tests. You just pay marginal rate tax on the income you take. All we're testing in the new world is lump sum payments, specifically the tax-free amount of lump sum payments. And in order to do this, there's basically pension commencement lump sums, off polls, and death benefits will be the key things where you're going to pay out a lump sum. We're going to have two allowances, a lump sum allowance, which is basically what your tax-free cash amounts are going to be based on and your lump sum and death benefit allowance, which will test your death benefits. It's really quite simple if you haven't had any benefits before. It'll just get a bit more complicated with people that will have taken benefits under both regimes. And we're still waiting in detail on what those final rules are going to look like. We're hoping for something uh, really simple, but we'll, we'll tell you about that in a minute. Right, uh, the lump sum allowance, surprisingly, is a quarter of the current lifetime allowance, which is exactly the same amount of money you could get. Um, there's no provision for it to get increased. It's a flat rate. Um, they've essentially moved from the maximum being a percentage of the lifetime allowance to being a monetary amount. Uh, you have to take what's called relevant BCEs off. Um, relevant BCEs are new things. All the old BCEs are gone. No more age 75 tests, no more BCE 6 for PCLS and all that sort of jazz. Relevant BCEs are basically lump sums that need to get tested. Um, there's four specific lump sums you have to test against the lump sum allowance. It's pension commencement lump sum, off polls, um, trivial commutation lump sum and winding up lump sum. Uh, the bottom two 
don't currently impact the LP, LTA, so they don't impact your tax-free cash calculations. Um, but as drafted, um, they will affect your calculations going forward. Um, there's two types, uh, sorry, it's a non-taxable amounts, as I said before. There's two types of lump sum that isn't in the list, but they're basically pension commencement lump sums. And that's a standalone lump sum, as I mentioned before. And there's a thing called the 2013-2014 transitional lump sums. They were, they're basically special types of PCLS, but they're technically not PCLS. Uh, so I'm assuming these will go back in. <laughs> um, because that's also a glaring omission um, sort of thing. Small pots, which is if you've got an arrangement less than £10,000, you can pay it out as a small pot. Uh, you're allowed three for in, from individual schemes and unlimited ones from occupational schemes. Um, there's ambiguity about whether they're in or not. Technically, according to the law, uh, they're in uh, because you have to test you have to tax them as if they're trivial commutation lump sums or for tax purposes, you have to treat them as trivial commutation lump sums. Uh, we don't think it's the revenue's intent to have small pots being included. We're hoping to take them back out again, uh, but we'll know more um, later. Right. Uh, lump sum and death benefit allowance is not surprisingly the same as the lifetime allowance, 107,300. Uh, I should have mentioned both those numbers will be higher if you've got protection. So the fixed protection 12 guy, the, their number will be 1.8 million. If you've got individual protection, it'll be whatever your, your protected amount is, etc. All lump sums get taken off this number, which is a bit controversial as well. Also, any pension that started pre-April 2006 um, that gets taken off this number as well, that whole 25 times pension thing. You have to do that to reduce this number. Now, this is a list of all the lump sums. As the law stands, all of these have to come off that number, which is fairly controversial. A couple of points. Uh, the transitional lump sum and the standalone lump sum definitely comes off here. Um, because they are authorised lump sums. They're just not authorised lump sums that were mentioned in the lump sum allowance rule. The next bit that's fairly controversial is all those things in the boxes don't currently get tested against the lifetime allowance, um, but they're, they're going to test them against the, the lump sum and death benefit allowance in future. I mean, there's the refund of excess contributions lump sum. It's tested against this limit. That's kind of crazy. Because if you put £50,000 in a pension and you're only allowed to put forty in, you get your £10,000 back, they're going to take that £10,000 off your lump sum and death benefit allowance. I suspect that was not intended, but we'll have to wait for the bill to see what happens. And again, uh, small pots, trivial commutation lump sums are in there, so small pots uh, are going to be in here as well. Um, if they are included, it just means the sort of practice of being able to have three small pots so you get an extra £30,000 above the limit disappears. You won't be able to do that again. Um, they should keep small pots without getting tested against the limits because pension schemes need them to be able to fix breaches and errors and money that turns up in the scheme unexpectedly after you've left and all that sort of thing. So we're hoping small pots won't be in, but... Um, as it stands, I think they are. Ministers have not decided, quote-unquote, um, what they're going to do about it.
So PCLS is kind of complicated at the moment. You get 25% of the amount crystallized or 25% of however much LTA you've got left. Um, next year, it's slightly more complicated because remember, instead of having one lifetime allowance, we've got two new allowances. So next year, it's 25% of the amount crystallized, however much lump sum allowance you've got, or however much lump sum death benefit allowance you've got, the lower um, of the three. Uh, there's, a, there's a fundamental thing missing, and that's the transitional rules. We kind of know where their heads are going. We don't like where their heads are going, but um, any income benefits you've taken prior to um, 2024 are going to have an impact on how much lump sum allowance you've got in the new world. We just don't know exactly how, um, but I'll try and explain the problem in the next slide. Um, this is a case study that um, we did. We did six lifetime allowance videos that you can get on the Pro Advisor website or on the MG Wealth Technical LinkedIn group if you're a member. Uh, this is this is a slide from the PCLS um, case studies video. Uh, basically, Bob's got six hundred thousand in his SIP, untouched, no protection, used up a million pounds of his lifetime allowance. He's used a million pounds of his lifetime allowance. Uh, so under the current rules, it doesn't matter how he made up that a million pounds, he's got 73,100 of the lifetime allowance left, so he's allowed a quarter of that. That's his maximum cash. If we look down the left-hand side here, we've got three different ways um, Bob uh, could have used it. So put a million pounds in drawdown, this first one, with 250 tax-free cash. He could just have taken a £50,000 scheme pension with no tax-free cash. Remember, you multiply that by 20. And the pre-commencement pension down here, um, 40000 because that gets multiplied by 25. So if we look at the new world, um, applicable amount, quarter of your fund, it's the same for everybody. Yeah. Lump sum allowance, this is where we start to get different. Um, the first one here, you have to take off your PCLS, so you've got 18275. But these two people here haven't had any PCLS, so they've got nothing to take off. So they'll have full lump sum allowance based on the current rules. Lump sum and death benefit allowance. We've got three different answers. Uh, first one gets their, lumps, their PCLS taken off. Second one has got nothing to take off because they've never had a lump sum. But remember, when I was telling you about the lump sum and death benefit allowance, there is provision for the pre-commencement pension to come off. So the million pounds gets taken off there. So, so where we get to is three different maximum tax-free cash numbers, depending on how you're taking your benefits prior to April 24, which is crazy. But the transitional rules are going to affect this, and this is what we need to wait for. They are suggesting um that if you've used 50% of the lifetime allowance um as at 5th of April 24, you'll take 50% of 1073100 and divide it before and that'll come off your allowances. But suggesting that if a member can prove that their tax-free cash has actually been lower, um then you can take off the lower amount. So if that goes ahead 
um, this person in the middle here, who might have used a million quid of lifetime allowance and not taken any tax-free cash, will have £268,275 available going forward. He would need to have another million quid to get that. But in this case, uh, they would be able to get that £150,000, where currently they can only get £18,000. So that's what they're suggesting. Uh, industry has proposed something different, which is easier, uh, which I favour, is basically if you've used half your lifetime allowance, you should only get half of your new allowances. If you've used 10% of your lifetime allowance, you get 90% of the new allowances. Nice and simple. If you've already used 100% of your lifetime allowance, you've had your blocked from the pension tax system. You're not getting any allowances going forward. Is this all by that... design, Les? Is it, is it meant to be this complicated in three different answers? or just uh, No, I think they've just drafted the law and not realised the unintended consequences of the way they drafted it. Hmm. I think <laughs> I, I I can't believe I can't believe they are by design trying to release more tax free cash into the wind mm. than is currently payable, but we'll we'll need to see with the transitional rules because at, at a high level, um, if you're saying I've used fifty percent of my lifetime allowance, so you get a quarter of fifty percent of the lifetimes taken off, you get to the same place, but it's this bit about but if you can prove you've taken less. <laughs> which is the trouble. Unless the doctors have done a fantastic lobbying job. Yeah, the well, the BMA, are, the BMA are good at lobbying. Yes. Yeah. Aye. So we'll have to see. I should have said, I should probably say just now, um, we'll probably get a lot of the detail that's missing on Autumn Statement Day. Uh, there'll probably be stuff that accompanies the Autumn Statement big book, because all this stuff has to go into the finance bill which we think is early December. So to get stuff in the finance bill, you have to kind of have announced it officially as policy. So I think we'll get lots more information towards the end of November. Uh, the autumn statement's the 22nd of November. So um, I'm halfway up a hill on a bike in Tenerife at the time. It was most inconsiderate of the Chancellor to book it for them. But, um, so we'll, we'll know a lot more now. I think by the time we get... By Christmas, I think we'll know what the new world looks like and we'll start to know this person should do this by the end of the year, this person should maybe wait until after the end of the year, and uh, uh, sorry, the end of the tax year, all that sort of stuff. We'll see how we go. So that's the kind of tax-free cash. The next slide is scary. Don't worry. It's a theory that matters. Uh, you can read it later at your leisure. It's just a broad... Um, that's the 12 types of tax-free cash scenarios. If you've got no protection, fixed protection, or individual protection, your tax free cash in the new world will basically be the same as it is currently, unless you can prove you've had less based on that transitional rule. But for somebody that's not taken benefits before, your tax free cash in the new world will be the same as the tax free cash in the old world. Enhanced protection people, their tax free cash is going to be different because remember, there's that 5th of April 23 cap on the enhanced protected tax-free cash. So they're definitely impacted by the change. Um, if you have got somebody with enhanced protected tax-free cash, they've messed up the law. So if you take your money in two tranches this year, you can get 10%, say, of your total fund. Um, but next year, you'll only be able to get up to 10% of that April 23 value. So there is a, there is a possible do something by the end of the tax year scenario there. 
um, sort of thing. Primary protection, the primary protection tax-free cash calculations are based on the changes in lifetime allowance broadly. We've rewritten it, but you're getting to the same answer. It used to say add A and B together to get C. They're basically now saying add together D and E, but you're getting back to C anyway. So you'll you'll get to the same answer. This bit here, um, it's not this here. This is the only bit that's different. Um, they've basically said for the lump sum allowance, if you've no protected tax-free cash, you're allowed 375 multiplied by the primary protection factor. But you're not allowed to multiply the 375 by the primary protection factor just now. So they're kind of releasing more tax-free cash into the world there. I think it's just a mistake because the people that draft the law don't actually understand pensions. Um, sort of thing. Um, I suppose the next ones are kind of important ones. Um, Scheme-specific protected tax-free cash. Um, they've messed that up a little. Um, for people without protection, you're going to get to the exact same place using different language. Uh, for people with protection, they've, they've did something, which I'll explain in a wee minute. Assuming this is my deck with a scheme-specific example in it, which I think it is. <laughs> uh, next was a standalone lump sum. Obviously, that's different in the new world because you're capped at your April 23 value, but you're capped at your April 23 value this year as well. So it's kind of no change into the new world um, sort of thing. And finally, the, these last three, you'll notice there's only one test for those last three. You just calculate your cash and that's what you can get. Whereas for the first nine, you need to check all three things. So, so that will have an impact in future about the order you take your benefits in. Because if you take your, say you took scheme-specific cash of 300,000 first, when you went to get your other cash, that would come off your allowance and you'd have no money left. But if you went to your other scheme first, took up your took up to your 268-275, when you come along to your scheme-specific scheme, you're not looking at the fact you've had PCLSs before. So there's only one test there. So there's going to be an order of taking benefits consideration in the new world, the same as it is just now, um, sort of thing. Right, here's my scheme-specific case study. Um, basically, a 400,000 fund. Uh, at ADA, the fund was worth 200,000 i.e., well, technically the 5th of April 2006, ADA was the 6th, um, with tax-free cash payable of 100,000. So they had 50% tax-free cash on the 5th of April 2006, which means they've got scheme-specific tax-free cash protection. It doesn't mean you can get 50% of your fund now. Uh, there's a calculation you need to do. So this is how it works in 23-24. It's linked to changes in the lifetime allowance. So this person's got fixed protection 12. So you take your, your cash A day and multiply it by 1.8 over 1.5. They've changed that in the new rules. They'll just rub that out and put in 1.2, which is 1.8 over 1.5. Entirely sensible. Works a treat. Now, what um, where the difference has happened is you're also allowed 25% of your post-ADA growth. So they basically say, take your current fund value away from your ADA fund value and you can get a quarter of that. But what they do is make you revalue 
your A-Day fund value, in this case, the 200,000. How you revalue it currently says multiply it by the current standard lifetime allowance divided by the first standard lifetime allowance. So for those people with fixed protection 12, you would be multiplying it by 1.8 over 1.5. Because if you've got fixed protection or individual protection, what the law basically says is every time you find a bit of the law that says standard lifetime allowance, use the protected number, don't use the current standard lifetime allowance number. But, so this person um, is getting 160,000 tax-free cash overall. But what they've done with the law is they've taken away that current standard lifetime allowance over first standard lifetime allowance and changed it to 0 0.7154. Um, anybody want to put in the chat how they got to 0 0.7154? I'll put you on the list of people that can work for me. <laughs> I'm going to go with a random number generator. <laughs> no. If you were at the Paraplanner event yesterday, you should know the answer. Yes, I am talking to you, Sam. <laughs> no pressure. I'll let you off. <laughs> it's 1073100, the current standard lifetime allowance, divided by 1.5 million the first standard lifetime allowance. Pippa, Pippa got it right. She can come and work for me. <laughs> the, uh, so yeah, so, so they've basically messed that up because everybody who's got a lifetime allowance higher than 107.3100 is now getting more tax-free cash than they otherwise would um, sort of thing. So it's that bit. Um, so instead of getting a quarter of 400 minus 240, you're getting a quarter of 400 minus 143080. Uh, for people with fixed protection 12, for every £100,000 of funds you had at A-Day, you're going to get an extra 12000 tax-free cash. And, and that it's less than 12 if you've got fixed protection 16 and 14. I've got the numbers somewhere. I can't even remember the rest of them. I can only remember this one because I talk about it. So there's a definite, if somebody's about to take scheme-specific tax-free cash and they've got protection, you need to pause and think this might be significantly much more £1,000 of tax-free cash after the 6th of April next year. Clearly, if they need the money because they've got a yacht deposit to pay, you're going to be taking it out, and that's just the disadvantage of taking it early. But we won't know until finance bill whether they fix that or not because it's really easy to fix they just have to change that 0.7154 to your lump sum and death benefit allowance divided by 1.5 million and everybody will get exactly what they got before but we'll see where we go we don't know we don't know where they're going to go with that so uh, personally if somebody didn't need the tax free cash and there was no overriding thing trying to get my tax free cash i wouldn't be paying scheme specific tax free cash to any of my clients or recommend that if they had protection at the moment, given the fact we could be getting an extra between five and twelve thousand pounds of tax free cash um, for every hundred thousand back at eighty. Is there a chance it could go the other way? Because it seems a bit weird that this government is giving people more tax free cash. Might they realise their mistakes and think, oh, actually, we're going to go the other way and actually make it worse? Um, I, I actually think when they when they started introducing the fixed and individual protection, I thought. Uh, in fact, when they, when they introduced fixed and individual or fixed protection at first, I thought they'd actually cocked it up and they just didn't bother. 
because you were then in a position where people with no protection were getting more tax free cash than people with protection. And then they just kept doing it with all the different protections coming along. So I don't know whether they're thinking this is actually a proper fair way to do it that we should have done back in 2012. Basically, your scheme-specific tax-free cash protection is the same for everybody, regardless of protection, or whether they've just made an unintended consequence. I don't think it'll go the other way. I don't think they'll take... The only, the only people I've ever known to have lost tax-free cash when the rules changed are people over the age of 70 who had a retirement annuity contract on the 5th of April 2006. Everybody else, I think, has had their tax-free cash protected in some way, shape or form. So I don't, I don't think they'll be going the other way to reduce it. Of course, obviously, the chatter is if it's a fixed 268, 275, inflation will reduce it in real terms, sort of thing. Right. Um, Off-polls. Now, one of the ways that you can take oh. benefits from a pension scheme during your lifetime is an un- That's Mark on the video. I forgot to take his sound off. <laughs> Uh, let's see if we can get them to shut up. Right, okay. <laughs> the, the, basic, uh, the basic thing about off-polls is currently what you can pay is linked to the lifetime allowance. And off-polls pre-75 must have 25% taxed at zero. So you can only get an off-polls if it's within the lifetime allowance. Post-75, you need to have lifetime allowance available to be able to get enough polls, but the tax-free amount is 25% of your available lifetime allowance. Now, with the lifetime allowance going, those rules don't work anymore. So so there will still be a rule that enough polls can't have any more than 25% taxed at zero. But what they're basically saying now is the tax-free amount of enough bills will be based on the lump sum allowance and the lump sum and death benefit allowance you've got left. So if you've got £400,000 to take as enough bills and you've got £50,000 of your tax-free allowances left, first 50 will get taxed at zero and everything else will get taxed. So it is theoretically possible uh, in the new world you can take an uncrystallised fund lump sum and have no tax-free cash whatsoever because you've got no lump sum allowance left. And that's actually a good thing. Because at the moment, if you've no lifetime allowance left and you want your money out, uh, you put it in drawdown to get it out. Now you'll just be able to get enough polls. Say, go and give me it. I know it's all taxed um, sort of thing. So I think that's that's relatively good. Uh, There's a new thing being added by mistake, I think, if you've got primary protection and no tax-free cash protection, eh, you're not allowed to get enough polls unless 25% of it's taxed at zero. There's no rhyme or reason to have that rule. It's not there currently. Um, and your lump sum allowance and your lump sum and death benefit allowance can dictate the amount. So we don't know why that rule's there because they haven't put the rule in for people with enhanced protection who've got no tax-free cash protection. So either enhanced will go in or this will come out, I think. Yeah, sort of thing. Right. Death benefits was that was the stuff that created the controversy. They said that if you put money in beneficiaries drawdown or a beneficiary's annuity, um, it's all getting taxed. Um there was the very last paragraph of the policy statement. 
and that caused a lot of fuss. The law doesn't say that. There's nothing in the law about it. Ministers have not decided what they are going to do yet. There was a newsletter the following day saying that's wrong. They haven't decided. I suspect they are actually going to do it, and they just announced it too early, <laughs> um, sort of thing. I would not be surprised if, um, at the own statement, we find out that beneficiaries drawdown will be a hundred percent subject to income tax, uh, whereas currently pre seventy five, less than two years, it's tax free. Um, but we'll wait and see, because if, if you think about a world where the tax system is based on the tax free amount of lump sums and everything else gets subject to income tax. These aren't lump sums. Uh, so you can see why they would be subject to income tax. It does mean we'll be back to a pre-pension freedom um, uh, kind of position where you'll take the maximum amount of lump sum you can get tax-free. You would only ever put otherwise taxable stuff um, into beneficiaries drawdown. But we'll need to wait and see. I'll be dusting off my spousal bypass trust presentation because they'll be using them. Is there any word about whether they're going to apply this to existing beneficiary drawdowns? There's no, there has been no intention. If you're currently in drawdown, and if you're currently in drawdown tax free, there's no mention of taxing it. You never say never. They can, in theory, change it, but that's not been on the table and it's not been discussed. Other than to say that's not on the table, how did you come to that conclusion? Mm. <laughs> um, sort of thing. Uh, lump sums we do know about because we know what's happening in future. Any lump sum that leaves a pension gets tested against the lump sum and death benefit allowance and anything over the limit gets taxed. Uh, the, the key change um, is crystallised lump sums are now going to get tested and trivial commutation lump sums. Uh, so essentially, if you go into drawdown and then die and it's paid out as a lump sum, you're going to get tested against the lump sum and death benefit allowance, whereas in the current world, lump sums from drawdown don't get um, LTA tested. So that's quite a change. And it's obviously required because remember, when you put a million pounds into drawdown in future, they're only testing the tax-free lump sum bit. They're not putting any test on the drawdown income. So it'll just get tested when it finally leaves the pension system as a lump sum. So that's a bit of a difference. Post-stage 75 is still getting taxed. Pre-75, greater than two years, is still getting taxed. Uh, pre-75, less than two years, you are going to get your test and the bit above um, is marginal rate tax. That's a bit different. So That's here we... quite, quite new. Can you just explain the two-year rule very briefly, please, for people that don't know what oh, two-year rule. Um, for, for, your, for, your, for your death benefits to be tax-free and, sorry, for your death benefits to get tested against a lifetime allowance and or paid tax-free, uh, the benefits have to get set up within two years of the scheme administrator reasonably becoming aware of the fact that the member has died. So if you die pre-75 in 2000, and if you die today, uh, 19th of October 23, unless your benefits get set up by the 19th of October 25, they're going to get taxed, essentially. Um, so that's kind of two-year rule. Thanks. Yeah, it was kind of linked to the old day pre-simplification. Your money had to leave the pension system within two years of death. You weren't allowed to stay in your tax-free growth area, sort of thing. It's kind of a hangover from those days. Right, uh, so a quick case study on the lump sum and death benefit allowance. Uh, Roy uh, 
puts eight hundred grand into drawdown next year. Uh, it takes two hundred thousand PCLS. Uh, it's taking two hundred thousand PCLS. In the new world, you only get your PCLS tested. Yeah, a uh, few years moves on. In February twenty thirty, uh, he's told he's less than twelve months to live. Um, he arranges a serious ill health lump sum from an old GPP at seventy three one hundred. So, so we know has so basically. We move on, he dies. He's taken a bit of income from his pot, but he's now got 900,000, which gets paid to his son George as a lump sum. So that 900,000 is a lump sum payment. You have to see how much of his lump sum and death benefit allowance has he got left. Well, you've got your 107,300. And remember, I said all authorised lump sums have to come off that. Um, so it'll be 200,000 to PCLS, 73,100 for the cells. So he's got a tax free limit of £800,000. So essentially, if that goes out as a lump sum, 800000 is tax free, and you put £100,000 in his tax return, uh, which will create tax issues like personal allowance loss, child benefit loss, all these sorts of things. It does mean you could use EISs and VCTs to get income tax relief on your pension tax charges. It couldn't do that before because lifetime allowance charges were standalone tax charges. Um, the good news for the providers is we will continue to pay out death benefits gross. It's up to the personal representatives and the revenue to sort out any tax issues, which is the exact same process as today. If we pay out, uh, if we pay out. Uh, Benefits, it's up to the personal representatives to calculate all the death benefits they've had, all the lifetime allowance that's been left, and report to the revenue um, if there's any tax to pay. So that's going to continue um, as we go into the new world. Um, but as I said before, if it ends up with, if George put that nine, say, say um, Roy died pre 75, if the revenue are going to say, well, if you put that 900,000 into drawdown, um, all of it's getting taxed. People will just take the tax-free lump sum and do something with it, and only leave the hundred thousand pounds behind. That that's where we'll be. We'll be back to where we were pre-freedoms, where the only people that could inherit a pension was a dependent, really. Uh, so I, I I I'm cynical. I think they're actually wanting that to happen because <laughs> it's far too generous the pension system for transferring wealth. Um, sort of thing. I think they'd rather have the money out and reinvested or spent um, sort of thing. But we'll see. Right. A wee quirky bit about lump sums um, which um, we need to cover is that at the moment um, take, take the bottom two lines first. The time around 1.44. I'm nearly done as well. So we're good. Um, the bottom bit, if you ended up with benefits that weren't tested against the lifetime allowance so that's pre-75 set up after two years, that two-year rule for before, or post-75. If the lump sum goes to an individual, it's marginal rate tax. If it goes to a non-qualifying entity, like a discretionary trust or a mistake, it's 45% tax. But what they've said, they've said in the policy statement, I think, if it goes to a non-qualifying person, it's going to be basic rate tax. But that's not reflected in the law. The law says it's marginal rate tax. So we need to see what's going to happen there. 
the the implication I think is if it's marginal rate tax, I'll go out to a trust. Trusts have to pay forty five percent tax. Um, it's not income, so they can't pass the forty five percent tax credit to the beneficiary, and they ultimately get the money. Under the current rules, if you pay the special lump sum death benefit charge of forty five percent the beneficiaries are allowed to ultimately reclaim it. So we need to get a wee bit more detail than that. It's a bit techy and geeky, uh, but we'll need to find out more. On the plus side, if it is marginal rate tax and it goes to an estate, that um, will be better because currently when it goes to an estate, it's 45% tax and there's no provision for that 45% to get reclaimed. So, so we'll need to find that out again uh, where they're going with that. So that's a little bit outstanding. Right. Uh, Planning-wise, well, I suppose my, my current line, for want of a better phrase, is unless you're planning to put money into the pension system where an employer is going to match your contribution, um, unless that is what's on the table, I don't think 2023 calendar year, there is enough information about the new world to make a fully informed decision. I think by the time we get to early to mid-December, I think we're in an almost fully formed decision. Uh, I, I don't think I'd be making any positive recommendations one way or the other in 2023 calendar year, but I think there could be a fair amount of thoughts of people that need to get things done by tax year end to protect themselves and to make their positions better. I mean, if, you, if you've currently stopped funding, you're going to have to decide whether you're going to start again. If you're currently funding and you were going to be over the LTA, you realise the, the benefits <laughs> like after the LTA charges, so it's just going to be even better for you. You're just going to keep going sort of thing. Uh, people accept the LTA charges are sometimes a good thing because the net benefit's worth it. But, I mean, these people are just going to keep doing what they're currently doing. They might put more in now because... The detriment of being over the limit isn't as high a detriment as it would before. Have you already used up all your lifetime allowance? Are you projecting over? Are you projecting under? You need to think about all these sorts of things. Well, if I'm paying, am I projecting over? Yeah. Am I happy being over? Yeah. Or no. I need to get myself down to the limit. But you should have been doing that anyway because the lump sum limit is the same as the lifetime allowance, essentially. And then whether you're fully invested or fully in, fully vested or that, I think will will have an impact. Um, I mean, a lot of people are worried about labour bringing the lifetime allowance back. And if you were, you might be saying, well, I've already used 100% of my lifetime allowance. I've got 200,000 sitting in my SIP. I'd be better putting that into drawdown while the LTA charges are zero. That may or may not be an issue. Um, but if they tell us, um, I suppose I should have mentioned this in the death benefits, they're suggesting, they're suggesting that um, drawdown, drawdown that's set up prior to April 24 won't get tested ever. So the lump sum death benefits from a pre-24 drawdown um, aren't going to get tested. So there might be a rush for people to maximise the amount of money they put into drawdown knowing that the lump sum isn't going to get a, a test in the way out. Um, so I think we'll need to see what the final rules are on that um, sort of thing. So there's all these different things going on. But I, I fundamentally believe unless you're missing out on an employer-matched pension contribution, there's nothing to be done. Well, there's nothing to be done with a 
level of confidence about what the likely outcome is until the finance bill comes out. Because I think when the finance bill comes out, the ministers will have made all their policy decisions. And it's very rare that other than changes to the bill to make the policy work as intended. So sometimes they'll issue a bill based on this policy and it doesn't really achieve the policy objective. You You can see changes as it goes through Parliament and becomes an act. I can't remember ever a bill with an actual policy decision being reversed. So, so, so I think by the time we get to kind of, well, by the time we get to mid-December, we'll have probably done a WebEx about what the bill said and what the final rules are. I think by then we'll be in a position to, I think, comfortably make recommendations one way or the other. Quite happy for somebody to tell me the thought of another scenario that you'd recommend now. Uh, but the only one I can think of is that making sure you're getting a, a employer matched contribution if you're coming back into the contribution game. Um, sort of thing. And finally, is tax-free cash that big a deal? No, tax-free cash isn't a big deal for people who have got lifetime allowance issues because the people who have got lifetime allowance issues tend to be higher than additional rate taxpayers. And the benefit of the tax system for them is being able to put it in at one level of tax relief and take it out at a lower level of tax. In this under LTA here, you see if... Um, a basic rate taxpayer puts 80 quid in, the government makes it 100, and they get £85 out. Your higher rate taxpayer, it only costs £60 to have their 100 in their pension. If they're a basic rate taxpayer on the way out, they're getting £85. So they've got £25 of profit there. Only £5 of that is because tax-free cash exists. If tax-free cash didn't exist, they would have £20 a profit instead. It's that dropping a tax rate between relief on the way in and tax on the way out is a very good pension benefit. The PCLS is marginal, I think, unless you're basic rate. Um, so that's basically £100 under the LTA, 60 over the LTA, £60 to £80. That's a 33% return from the pension tax system. Yeah, that's good. Basic rate taxpayer putting 80 in and getting 80 out, it's just like having a nicer without a cap at 20. Yeah. So, and then you've got your other benefits of the pension of it being outside your estate, protected from creditors, all that malarkey um, sort of thing. So, I don't think the, the capping of tax free cash and kind of funding a pension when you know you're not going to get any tax free cash isn't a bad thing for the people that have probably got these types of limit worries, uh, sort of thing. So finally, I think, he says finally for the 17th time, um, we need to know what the transitional rules are. We kind of, they might get to a place where you'll broadly have the same amount of tax-free cash as you had before. Uh, we still need to know what income death benefits are going to look like. That may or may not drive a lot of people put whatever they've got into drawdown before tax year end. There's little bits of points of detail like that scheme-specific tax-free cash stuff and the kind of the more niche stuff. There's the detail we need about uh, lifetime allowance enhancement factors, etc., which we need to see. And we still need to know what they're going to do about QROPs. Um, the suggestion there might be a third allowance, your overseas transfer allowance. 
and if you transfer to a QROC, you'll use up that allowance. Um, if they hadn't thought that one through, they'll be thinking of that a wee bit more, yeah, sort of thing. But as, until we get the finance bill, I suppose that finger there, <laughs> Uh, the final piece of the jigsaw is the finance bill, I think. Once we get that, we should be in a hopefully better place uh, and we can get on with answering people's questions, which is a nice segue into question time, Richard. It is. Uh, well, I'll get rid of the slides over there. Um, I'd like to see chat GPT make sense of that. Um, <laughs> I think we're safe from AI taking over our jobs for a little while yet. Um, yeah, if we don't get time for all the questions, and I'll pop them on the big tent, and I'm sure Les will be happy to answer them there. Yeah. Um, right, first of all, um, our, this is from Eugenie. Um, our provider is likely to be responsible for providing the lump sum death benefit allowance on completion of a questionnaire, perhaps, or will it be down to us to calculate it? Um, it'll be down to the personal representatives to know whether they will be over the lump sum death benefit allowance or not, The um, which is the exact same as the current process. At the moment, we just say there's 400,000 lump sum. That was 42% of the lifetime allowance. They've already used 27% of the scheme. And the the personal representatives have to sort it out because there might be seven schemes paying out money, so they need to gather all the information. No no one provider in isolation can sort it out. That's why we just have to pay across uh, and leave it to the personal reps. Uh, so I expect the reporting in the new world We'll pay out a death benefit, we'll write to the personal reps and we'll say, we've just paid £200,000 to Bob, that used £200,000 of the lump sum and death benefit allowance, and then they'll need to get all those letters from all Bob's schemes and sort it out. Yeah. Oh, joy. And I guess while um, scheme members are still alive, we go to a provider saying, can you help us work out the lump sum here? <laughs> it's going to be... Yeah, yeah, uh, they're gone. So you need to keep your record, you need to keep good records. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Deep joy. Right. Uh, next one comes in from Sam. Uh, and it's so long, I'll have to read it all out because it won't all fit on the screen. Um, there seems to be uncertainty how small pots will be taxed after April next year. Does this mean there's the potential planning angle to process three lots of small pots for clients already over the lifetime allowance this year in order to gain £7,500 tax-free cash? That wouldn't be available next year. Okay. For those not over the lifetime that's currently, do we think the revenue could retrospectively say the tax-free element of small pots on part of the lump sum of that next year. Uh, so sorry, they could the, the government can do anything they like, but I don't think they'll retrospect. If you got something that was tax free today, they can't tomorrow decide that's getting taxed. They, they're quite entitled to say you've had three small pots, you're getting seven and a half grand out of your lump sum allowance. As drafted, that's what it is. Yeah. That's one of the things um once we get the bill we'll know whether um, I've got a list of I've been working through a list in my head of things. This is the sort of things you'll probably be doing before tax year end, and this is the sort of things you'll be doing after tax year end when we get the final detail. And that's one of the things you might be thinking, should we get three small pots through so we preserve allowances? But we need to wait and see. Okay, thank you. A nice straightforward one here from Pippa. Do benefits under death and service schemes set up under pension rules count towards the lump sum death benefit allowance? Yes. Okay, Death and service schemes produce an uncrystallized fund. Producer defined benefit lump sum death benefit and defined benefit lump sum death benefits contested. Yeah, uh, get your relevant life plans out for that one. Um, right, this one here is from Mark. Um, if you're dealing with or setting up a beneficiary drawdown case currently, which can take time if there are multiple beneficiaries involved, 
Could you clarify the key date that would be prudent to have matters completed by? Would it be the autumn statement? An April date has also been mentioned. It uh, could be either. Could be the definitely have it definitely have it set up by the fourth of April. Was it pension freedom time? I think that there was a funny rule at pension freedom that your tax position was based on when your first income payment got made. <laughs> uh, which we don't like. Uh, we basically asked them to make it date of death, please. If they died in 23-24, the death benefits are under 23-24 rules. And if they died after 24-25, we move on to the new system. We don't want people rushing to get things into drawdown by the 5th of April, phoning the scheme. Hurry up and make up your decision. Yeah. I need to be in by the 5th of April and all that sort of thing. But we'll need to wait and see. It's theoretically possible they could put the date of the autumn statement in as the date for the death benefits being driven. But that will complicate the transition. So we're hoping they just go for date of death. We'll drive it so there's no time pressure to get set up other than the two years, which is the existing time pressure. Mm. Okay. And this one is from Jack. This is a good one. Would you be reluctant to recommend clients with protection make contributions this tax year until the final rules are out? I would be reluctant to, no, I wouldn't be reluctant to make them this tax year because I've still got between finance bill and the 5th of April to get it done, understanding what the actual ultimate benefits might be from it. Um, I'm going to add another person to the people that I could probably do something just now. If you're projecting below the lump sum in death, if you're sitting with fixed, that guy with 1.4 million, we have 1.8 million lifetime allowance. If you're just putting enough money in and you're going to still be under 1.8 when you take it, I probably think you should get going just now, uh, sort of thing. But there's plenty of time between finance bill and the 5th of April to make decisions about actually pension contributions. Okay, brilliant. I think that's probably all we've got time for now. But, um, Les, that was brilliant, uh, as always. Um, I'm more confused now than I thought, not because of you. You explained it brilliantly, but this, oh, crikey, what a mess. Absolutely. The vast majority of people will get 25% of their fund when they take their benefits and their beneficiaries will probably get the benefits tax-free if you die before 75. Everybody else is a wee bit. You'll get to the same place with different language. I think there will only end up being about less than 10 cohorts of people that will be better off or worse off depending on what's happening, but there'll be actions you can take before tax year end and after tax year end to make you better off or worse off. I think it'd be really niche. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're most of our clients, aren't they? Um, we'll, um, we'll pop a link in the chat room now um, off to the Energy website where you can get a copy of the slides, you can watch the video again, and you can get one hour's CPD. Um, boy, you're going to need it after that. Um, just a quick reminder, we've got the London Assembly tomorrow. We've got work on the 14th of November. If you've got some more questions, please pop onto the big tents uh, and you can ask them there. But for us, it's a massive thank you to MNG and to Les once again for sharing your infinite wisdom and knowledge and explaining things so well. Um, thank you very much. Um, have a good afternoon and we will all see you again very soon. Goodbye from us. Bye-bye.